Welcome back to the Cody Felger Podcast. I am your host, Cody Felger, and I'm excited to introduce the new co-host, Derek Larger. Derek, how are you doing, man? I'm good. How are you doing, Cody? Hey, I'm good, man. I'm always good when football's on, whether it's, you know, training camp or, you know, football season or even minicamp. You know, it's football and I'm excited for it, dude. Um, And... Yeah, there's a lot uh, happening right now uh, as the Colts just started minicamp. And basically, if people don't know what minicamp is, it's essentially OTAs for the Colts because the only difference between OTAs and minicamp, I believe, is just that it's mandatory now. And the Colts have basically had perfect attendance up to now, so not really much of a difference for the Colts going forward. But, Derek, there were a few highlights from today as the, the Colts had a few guys interviewing, you know, some coaches, some players, uh, the first guy I want to talk about and I want to get your thoughts on is Darius Leonard. When they talked to, to Darius Leonard, they asked him what his goals were. And Darius Leonard, you know, just he's he's always uh, shooting for the stars. He He's like, I want to be Super Bowl champion, but not just Super Bowl champion, but I also want to be MVP. And Derek, you just got to love that from a guy who last year, you know, is breaking records and he, he still doesn't think that he's good enough. And he, he wants to be the MVP and that's his goal every year. Um, you just got to love that from a guy like Darius Leonard. Yeah, coming from a guy who came from a small school who many people said was probably the worst pick in the entire draft uh, for the Colts and let alone every other pick, you know, he's always had that chip on his shoulder, always wanting to prove something to somebody, and that is exactly what you need, and especially after the season that he had, being the best defensive player out there all year. And getting the recognition, the national recognition he wanted, is still not enough for him. It's great to have that voice and that confidence from a guy, especially on the defensive side. You know, he's obviously snubbed from the Pro Bowl last year, which I'll get into that a little bit later. But, yeah, it's great to hear that he still has that fire in him, and hopefully that continues to be the case throughout the entire season. Absolutely. And you got to love it. You know, he's breaking records, like I mentioned, and he still has a chip on his shoulder. He still wants to get better. And that's always very awesome to hear from your defensive captain, your your leader on that side. And so another takeaway, this now switching over to the offensive side. Um, another, uh, you know, when, when they were interviewing Frank Reich at the podium, he was talking about the running back position a little bit. And he was talking about Marlon Mack, and he said he referred to Marlon Mack as the main guy in the backfield, with Naheem Hines as the main third down guy. And he also threw in there that that the presence of you know new addition Paris Campbell, who the Colts drafted in the second round this year, could impact the exact slot role uh, for a guy like Hines. So, so Derek, my question to you is, you know, what does Hines? Well, Hines have to kind of carve out a new role this year. Do you think? Yeah, I mean, for Hines. I don't really think that his role really changes. I think that uh, his, he's going to have the same exact role of uh, that he did last year, even with Marlon Mack being the number one guy, uh, being there completely, and Paris Campbell. I just think that Paris Campbell's just another another tool for Frank Reich to use, but Hines has a special ability of catching the ball out of the backfield and turning plays that would normally go for two or three yards to seven or eight because of his shiftiness and his ability to just get away from defenders. And his also his insane ability of uh, breaking tackles. I think a lot of people kind of missed that from last year is that he actually had a good uh, change of pace and was able to 
blow past certain defenders and even after first contact. I think that maybe Naheem Hines loses a few a few touches in the backfield, you know, when you give uh the chance for Paris Campbell to maybe have a sweep here and there, but overall, I don't really see Naheem Hines really having his role diminished especially after what we saw from last season, him being able to line up in the backfield with luck or even lining up as a wide receiver uh, at multiple times during the season last year. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. I think Naheem Hines is a very valuable piece for Frank Reich. And something that we've mentioned on this podcast before is, you know, in, when, the, when the Colts drafted Hines in 2018, he was the fastest running back in the draft. And then with this year drafting Paris Campbell, the fastest receiver in the draft, so I think the Colts, it's safe to say the Colts have really emphasized speed, and Derek, now they have it on offense. Oh yeah, the the speed of this offense that they have right now is something that we haven't seen for a long time. You have obviously have T.Y. Hilton coming back uh, after having that injury. You have speed from a newfound speed in Eric Ebron. Paris Campbell has some amazing uh, breakaway speed that if anybody watched any Ohio State film on him at all, would immediately see just how amazing that kid is at breaking away in the open field. And having Naheem Hines and Marlon Mack having tremendous seasons, uh, it's definitely going to be interesting to see what Frank Wright can do with this new high-speed, efficient offense that he now has. It definitely will, and especially with all the pieces he has, you know, all the different athletic traits that all these guys have. Um, Some more news now uh, from Colts camp was an Andrew Luck news. Um, He will not participate until training camp, but Frank Reich and Andrew Luck were both adamant, Derek, that he will be out there for the first day of training camp. And I think I think it's safe to say that, you know, they just wanted to be very cautious with Luck. Um, you know, Frank Reich talked about it in his press conferences before. It's just like he experienced the same thing with that strained calf like Andrew Luck experienced, and he's emphasized so, so much, like, do not rush it. Do not rush it, especially in the time that you have. You don't have to be out there necessarily. Um, and another thing that, that Andrew Luck was talking about, he said even though he's been off of his feet, he's been throwing significantly off of them. And so that's interesting mm-hmm. to me. And, um, Derek, I wanted to get kind of your opinion on the whole Andrew Luck not throwing on his feet, sitting out of OTAs and now sitting out of minicamp. Yeah, I mean, well, we already know anyone who has been keeping an eye on the Luck situation, he actually has still been throwing the football, not with uh, obviously with the team and on his feet that much, but he has been uh, practicing a throwing routine, so it's not like he's sitting around doing nothing all the time. So he is throwing the football a little bit. But when it comes to this situation, again, Frank Reich is absolutely correct. We need to just let him take his time. And Andrew Luck understands it. If anyone watched uh, the Warriors game in Game 5, anyone that watched it, they saw Kevin Durant with a calf strain come back a little too early because apparently it was worse than what the doctors thought, and now he might apparently have a torn ACL, which is the absolute last thing that the Colts would need would want going into this season. So it is a smart idea to just keep Andrew from doing any uh, kind of vigorous activity, especially on his feet. Just keep him off it because you still have two and a half months till the regular season. You still have over a month until training camp starts. And what's the point in bringing Andrew Luck out now 
while you know there's no point in him being out there. It's just the uh, only thing that's going to do is get him hurt at this point. And the good thing is, is that this gives this gives Jacoby Brissett and a bunch of other guys, you know, a chance to get to uh, get some more needed reps. Kind of feels like a college football sort of thing, you know. Everybody getting reps when they can. I'm sure Jacoby Brissett really enjoys the uh, reps with the first team for sure. But yeah, I agree. The the Colts just need to be steady with him. Andrew Luck has been, you know, he was asked about it today. Uh, he was smiling the whole time while he was talking about it. I don't really think he thinks it's that big of a deal, but he obviously knows that for the greater good of himself and for the rest of the team, it's best if he just takes another week or two just to rest that thing up and get ready for when training camp starts. Right, and we can't ignore what Andrew Luck did last year. I mean, he didn't attend training camp, and heck, he tore up the league. He was second in touchdown passes. I mean, this guy was on fire last year, and so... Um, I think it's safe to say that I that Andrew Luck will be okay with missing these few uh, weeks here with that calf strain. So um, some more news that I wanted to get to, Derek, um, from Colts camp. Uh, one of the Colts reserve tackles actually was a guy that Ballard picked up last year, uh, Antonio Garcia. If you don't know who that is, former third-round pick of the New England Patriots. Uh, he This is very interesting. He suffered blood clots in his lungs. Um, it made him lose about 40 pounds, and he came back last year with the Colts. And, and you know, I, I kind of heard a little bit from some of the reporters down there that Garcia was showing some things a little bit. I know it's still very early, but he was running with the second team uh, at that offensive tackle position. And so um, he actually got suspended for PEDs for the first four games of the season. And, you know, it's a guy, he's a guy who, you know, former third-round pick, like I mentioned, he's got some talent there. There is some talent to be tapped into, but um, with, with him missing four, you know, four games, do you think that he's a guy the Colts will keep around? Um, well, I mean, if anything, we kind of saw how uh, Chris Ballard obviously has his reasons for keeping guys around and uh, giving second chances. Uh, I didn't see the full story to the full extent of what it was that he did, but we, it definitely hurts the Colts because obviously he's a depth piece and at offensive line we have seen over the last few years that depth at the offensive line position is very, very important, uh, especially a third round guy. Uh, whether or not, you know, what I don't know what kind of PEDs it actually was. Uh, I don't know the full story behind it. I'll have to look at that more when we, when we get done with this, but, uh, if ultimately it might have been a misunderstanding or if it was, uh, you know, an accidental thing, then I, I don't see any reason why uh, Ballard would uh, get rid of him for, for that. I mean, because Ballard is one of those guys that absolutely loves his offensive linemen. He's willing to give a few extra uh, grievances to some guys in that area. Uh I, I don't I don't think that would be an issue for Balor, but of course we 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 never know until we find out the full story. Right, right, for sure. Um, on a lighter note, now the Colts did something today. Um, they re-signed their long snapper Luke Rhodes to a four-year deal, um, four-year extension worth five point five seven million dollars, uh, with one point two five million guaranteed. Um, so now, Derek, the Colts have two of their three special team guys locked in for the next four years. So what does that mean for the continuity of that group and, you know, just, you know, their growth going forward? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a a 
past fact of the NFL to just think special teams no longer really pays a big uh, plays a big part in the game today when you know people who actually pay attention to the full game know that special teams is just as important as any other aspect because not being able to punt the ball effectively when you don't get first downs uh, not being able to kick field goals well and a, a lot of people just seem to forget the long snappers think that it gets there every time in the NFL but honestly it's it's really good because those guys all have great personalities they've all been really good uh, players for the Colts uh, Sanchez has actually had better punting numbers than Pat McAfee the guy that most Colts fans absolutely love and adore uh, just doesn't quite have the personality of a McAfee uh, but you know bringing all these special team teams guys back if they can do that just continues to show the continuity that uh, Chris Ballard has for his guys, you know, the guys that he helps bring in, the guys that, you know, obviously play hard, do what they're told, come into work every day, and sure enough, you're going to end up getting paid. That's basically Ballard's motto. Yeah, and that's a great motto to have because I love that about Chris Ballard. It's like, He's going to, you know, he's, he may not dish out those giant deals that, you know, some GMs do. So, you know, think the Jets, the Raiders, those kind of people. But he rewards his own. He rewards his own. He rewards if you play well, you're going to get paid. And I think that's that, that sends a message to the locker room, a very good message of like, okay, if I really want to get paid, if I really want to earn it, uh, I've got to actually perform and perform well. I, I, I love that. Okay, so the next thing, and I thought, that Derek, you could kind of talk about this in detail because you know more about this than I do. Um, Bobby Okariki, he, he was convicted of some stuff, um, you know, accused of some stuff, I should say. And so um, I'm curious if you could kind of talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so obviously the third-round linebacker out of Stanford, Bobby Okariki, uh, for the Colts, obviously was accused of a sexual assault slash rape charge from 2015, I believe. So this was plenty, plenty years ago. And now all of a sudden it's starting to re, uh, resurface again. There was the story of uh, Okariki stated that, or the woman that he was with uh, stated that at first she was uh, okay with, you know, what was going on between those two. And then she said she didn't want it. but And then he forced himself on her. And then Okariki said it was completely consensual the whole time. She just probably didn't enjoy it afterwards. But ultimately, uh, Stanford, uh, it, this whole thing went to Title IX, you know, talking about what uh, the whole thing. And obviously, Stanford concluded that there was not enough uh, physical and actual practical evidence to prove that Okariki actually did anything. And he was never, uh, he was never charged. He was never suspended or punished by the team, given that he wasn't charged with anything. And sure enough, he played throughout his entire career. And when he was drafted, he obviously told Chris Ballard and Frank Reich and the rest of the coaching staff about this situation. And Ballard stated that, you know, he uh, obviously heard what Okariki had to say. He was very honest. He was very uh, brought out about this. And, and basically the whole, you know, situation that we're having now especially within the Colts fan base is basically saying should it was this a bad move by Ballard to draft this guy uh, even though he was only accused why is it that you know Chris Ballard preaches these character guys and then uh, Okariki has this thing on uh, 
thing on his record now. And I mean, Cody, if you want to answer this, you can. I mean, what was? Do you think this was a mistake by Ballard uh, signing Okariki or drafting him, even though he knew this situation was going on? You know, this is one thing that I've thought about for a while, and it's very interesting how you know certain people can. You know, point to others' mistakes all the time. You know, point to what others have done, point to what others have done in the past. You know, like you mentioned, this was, what, four years ago this happened? Um, and Chris Ballard, I think, has gone on record and said, you know, people make mistakes. People are dumb. People are young. They make mistakes. They do things. Um, but it's, you know, I think it's all about how he handled the situation. You know, it, I think it, it would be a lot different if this came out and Chris Ballard and Frank Reich had nothing, they knew nothing about it. I think... This for in this situation, I think that they absolutely made the right choice in drafting Okariki. You know, I obviously don't know the full story, but it's like if they felt comfortable enough, where they they they're like, okay, Bobby told us like this is gonna happen. This happened, and you know he explained everything. He you know he explained he me- maybe he messed up a little bit, or maybe you know what this person was accusing him of wasn't quite true. I don't really know everything, but. I think the fact that Bobby Okariki came to them and told them, hey, this is the situation, this is what is happening, and they still felt comfortable enough. You know, these are two guys who are very high on character. And so, you know, if they felt comfortable enough to draft him, that, that's good enough for me, man. And so, you know, if they felt like Bobby, you know, maybe he made a little bit of a mistake, maybe not, who knows. But, you know, he's a good character guy. And, and just because he messed up once, just because he made a mistake, it doesn't mean he's not a good character guy. That's kind of my take on it. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of funny because, you know, everyone says, you know, he was a team captain at Stanford. He was the leader, the the practical leader of the whole football team ever since he joined. And, you know, there's no denying he's got great character. But I think we as an American society sometimes uh, are very quick to judge somebody before the evidence is actually out. And even once the evidence is actually out, or a decision is made per se that we just don't agree with the decision no matter what happens you know ultimately that's the problem in society now is that a guy can get uh postered with this accusation it doesn't matter if you were completely and utterly uh had nothing to do with it but you still have your name brought up in it and it makes storylines and now it's impossible to get your name out of it so it's kind of a situation where you know, again, we don't know all the facts. Uh, she obviously said he did something. He said he didn't. We don't know for an absolute fact, but obviously, uh, he came to to Chris Ballard. He told them straight up, and and that's a great thing to understand that a, a situation that if brought back up again, it could really affect uh, the team and not only himself but Chris Ballard and them. He made a great adult decision to go to his boss and tell them listen I didn't do this but I want to let you guys know so that way when the media gets a hold of this again that ultimately they know how to come back from it right and I think that's so important I think communication is important on both sides in this situation and honestly I think both sides did a great job and I, I'm not worried about it. You know, when I heard about it at first, I was a little bit nervous. But after hearing, you know, Chris Ballard explain exactly what happened, like, I'm totally, like, okay. Like, I trust them, and I, you know, I trust that they've picked guys that they believe have great character, and, and so I'm not going to be worried about it, man. Yeah, I'm not too worried about it myself at this point. 
Yeah, so that's I think that's kind of our take on the Bobby Okariki situation, and, and obviously some people will probably disagree, but that's okay, man. That's the, that's the beauty of living here in America. We get to express our opinions on this stuff. Yep. But yep. Okay, so on that note, um, I think w- one thing that we've done, and, and we've we've constructed a list of we wanted to look back at the 2018 season before we move into the 2019 season. And so to do that, Derek, we formed a list. We formed our top five Indianapolis Colts of 2018. And so do you want to start? Who would, Actually, do you have any honorable mentions before we get to our list? Um, yeah, honorable mentions before we get to the list is uh, two of them, actually, or actually three of them. I have Malik Cooker, and I have Anthony Walker, and then I also have Ryan Kelly, these were three names that were really, really close to making that number five spot for me, but uh, we're just a little short of the guy who did earn number five. But these three guys here are names that were not really talked about a lot last season, but were, had amazing seasons behind the numbers and behind the play that they had on the field. Yeah, dude. I just have to say, like, I am one of the biggest Malik Hooker fans out there. Like, I love Malik Hooker. I love everything that he brings to this defense. I was jumping for joy in 2017 when he fell to the Colts. <laughs> and uh, there was an interesting stat that I saw, Derek, that was really, really cool um, and really good for Malik Hooker. Really a good stat to see for Malik Hooker is I think he was targeted in total in 2018 like nine times. And two of those times he intercepted the pass. And he should have probably had a couple more. Yeah. Um, so that just kind of tells you the respect that Malik Hooker has earned across the league in his second year. And, you know, last year or last week, rather, um, Malik Hooker was interviewed and kind of talking about his season and, and talking about how last year, you know, at the start of the season, he wasn't really confident in himself yet because, you know, still coming off of that ACL injury. Um, you know, he said he was physically there, but he wasn't mentally there. And I think he said about week five, week six, he started really feeling it. And I think that's kind of when we started to notice Malik Hooker a little bit more back there. And, we and you know, the Colts st- stopped allowing so many big plays back there. And that's kind of coincided, I think, with their win streak. And I think Malik Hooker was a big reason why they uh, they really started to do very well on defense. And so... Okay, that's a good list, though. I like that list. I'll add a few more that I have. Um, I have Marlon Mack. I have Mark Glowinski, um, Anthony Costanzo, and then I also added Naheem Hines on the list as well. And I love all of these guys. I think they, they played major roles in 2018. And some of these guys maybe were a little bit overlooked, but you know when they were in the lineup, the Colts were really, really good on offense. Yeah, definitely. Marlon Mack and Costanzo especially. Uh, Costanzo coming back, you know, him – and Malik Hooker both said that after this offseason, this is the healthiest they felt they've been in a long time. One guy's a 24-year-old Malik who's coming out of Ohio State, says this is the best he's felt since he was in college. And Anthony Costanzo coming out saying he's 30, saying this is the healthiest he's been. And that's great to hear from a guy who, you know, may only have a few good years left in him, but to know that he's healthy and he's ready to go – you know, that's a great thing to hear from your left tackle, the blindside guy for Andrew Luck. Yeah, and it's interesting because, I mean, prior to this season, Anthony Costanzo has been a rock at that left tackle position. I mean, yeah. he hasn't missed very many games at all. And for him to say, you know, even at age 30, like, this is the best I felt, I think the Colts should feel very, very good about that. Oh, yeah, definitely. All right, so who is your number five? 
My number five, and again, this this can be kind of construed in a lot of ways. Colts fans can put this in any way they want to, but number five for me was T.Y. Hilton. Now, I know what a lot of people think, you know, T.Y. Hilton didn't have the numbers that he normally puts up. I understand that. But this pick for me was a little bit more than just numbers. Uh, again, the, I'll kind of explain some of the numbers that I gave him. Uh, receiving yards, he was ranked 12th in the uh, NFL, even after missing a couple of games. Uh, and for the amount of uh, touches that went towards Ebron's way this year versus his way, still being able to be top 15 is impressive enough. And he was number two in deep ball completion percentage last year. I think the only person that was better than was Tyler Lockett with the Seahawks. Uh, so that's an impressive uh, number. And I think the reason I put him at number five is this. And I'll, and this is going to happen for a couple of these other guys as well. Is that I, I don't know if a lot of Colts fans realize this, but T.Y. Hilton for half that season was playing on a bum ankle. He was playing on a very injury-prone ankle. He was hobbling around, you know, on the sidelines. You saw camera crews watching him just hobble on the sideline just in pain. But every game he went out there at the end of the season said, I need to play these games because my team needs me. And sure enough, he went out there and still torched defenses, even with a bum ankle. That showed me right there that he has the mental and the physical toughness to hang with anybody else out there. And just imagine what he's going to be able to do this upcoming year with a fully healthy ankle because he's still torched uh, uh, Jonathan uh, Jackson of the Texans and many other guys out there. He That's just amazing to me that he could have easily sat out for a number of weeks to rest that ankle, but he knew that if he went out, that was just going to leave his team in a bad position. And that is why I love T.Y. Hilton, and that is why I put him at number five for last year of Colts in 2018. Yeah, there's so much to say about T.Y. Hilton. I mean, heck, I don't think that guy was practicing for the second half of the season, uh, but he was still going out there on Sundays and torching defenses like you mentioned. And so, yeah, I don't think it would be a, a top five list without T.Y. Hilton on it. So my number five is a guy who was on your honorable mention list, Ryan Kelly. Um, you know, this guy was drafted a couple years ago. Uh, he was eight, selected 18th overall in 2016, and I think this year was really Ryan Kelly's coming out party. I think he showed in a lot of ways in the Colts, you know, old offensive line coach, uh, Dave DeGugliamo, I think I'm saying that right. Uh, you know, he had high praise for Ryan Kelly. He said he was the best center in the league. And so I think Ryan Kelly really showed that he is one of the best centers in the league. I think he's a top five yeah, yeah. center in the league. And I think I think I can say that confidently now. Um, the only reason why I don't have him higher, and I think he can be higher on the list, is simply because of durability. I think he, he missed a couple games there yeah. um, throughout the season. And I think if he can stay healthy in 2019 – he can definitely go up in my I mean, top three list, honestly, because I think he's that good of a player. He's that good of a center. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the question is just can he stay healthy for 16 games? And so that's my number five. Who's your number four, Derek? Yeah, my number four is I actually give him a lot of credit for your number five guy having the season that he had, which was Quentin Nelson at number four the number six pick from the 2018 draft for the Colts. I think he's my number four because, like I said, he brought the mean 
guy attitude to the O-line. I think that helped Ryan Kelly more than anyone else on the offensive line because when Ryan Kelly came out of college, he was the uh, run-blocking center. He was the anchor in the middle. You could not move him. And I think that, you know, with durability issues, that kind of uh, made him lose that attitude a little bit. And now that Quentin Nelson came along and Ryan Kelly felt confident that the guy to his left was going to be mean and nasty, he felt the need to do the same thing. He changed the attitude completely on the O-line. And not to mention, he only allowed two sacks on the year, had a QB rush rate of under 4%, which is absolutely extraordinary. He was an all-pro guy as well as a rookie. And just for the last part is that, you know, everyone said, don't pick an offensive guard at number at number six. Don't do it, Colts. It's just not the best thing you can do. Well, I think every team in the NFL would rather take Quentin Nelson with number six last year than the number six pick, Daniel Jones, this last this year versus uh, having Quentin Nelson. So that's why Quentin Nelson is my number four. Oh, that's a great pick. Uh, Quentin Nelson, man. I'm a Notre Dame fan, go Irish, and so – I love that Quentin Nelson love, man. Quentin Nelson's one of my favorite players. I I kind of felt like I sounded like Jim say there for a second. Hey, man. Hey, Quentin. <laughs> How's it going, man? Um, okay, so my number four is actually uh, Eric Ebron. Eric Ebron's my number four. And Eric Ebron's my number four simply because he had an extraordinary breakout year um, in 2018. And, you know, he had 66, 66 catches, uh, 750 yards, and 13 Receiving touchdowns, and oh by, oh, by the way, he added another rushing touchdown. Um, Eric Ebron, you know, career highs, obviously. He was one of the top tight ends in the league as far as touchdowns go. Um, he, I think he really showed a lot of things, and Frank Reich and his system were able to use his abilities that the Detroit Lions, unfortunately, were not able to tap into. And, you know, I think he was a major weapon for Andrew Luck. I mean, Andrew Luck could just throw it up in the end zone, and Eric Ebron would most of the time come down with it. Um, the, the only reason why I wouldn't have him higher, I would say, is just because of some drop issues. I think Eric Ebron's always kind of had those drop issues in a way, um, and I think this year kind of masked them a little bit with the touchdowns. Yeah. Um, but I think that's something he can still work on, and if he can you know, kind of shore those up a little bit more, and I think Jack, the, the addition of Jack Doyle coming back from injury and you know, Mo Alley-Cox continuing to develop, I think that can kind of still mirror that a little bit and kind of kind of hide that a little bit. But I think if Eric Ebron wants to truly be an elite tight end, he has to he has to clean up those drops. Yeah, totally. And that's the thing, you know, a lot of people say, you know, why do we not talk about his incompletions more often? Well, when you score 13 touchdowns, that kind of makes up for a lot of things. But you're right. Uh, Eric Ebron has always had a case of uh, the dropsies for the most part. Uh, he's definitely going to have to work on that, especially this upcoming season. We we as Colts fans saw the multiple times where he dropped some wide-open passes. But, yeah, if he continues to work on that a little bit, then there's no denying that Eric Ebron can have yet again another great season. All right. Well, it's kind of funny because I flip-flop yours. Um, I have Quentin Nelson at number three for me. Um, just because, man, like you mentioned, you already mentioned this, but – He's a tone setter, man. He was a tone setter for this entire offensive line. I mean, how many number six overall picks do you have that have viral videos of them screaming at P- at at defenders? I mean, yeah. I know it was, yeah. it was found to be fake, but 
my goodness, that was hilarious. That was awesome. And that was great. I think that just kind of shows, even though it was fake, like Quentin Nelson will come after you time and time again. He's not afraid to he's not afraid to take you out. I mean, you saw it in that wild card game. He, I mean, pancaking Jadavian Clowney. And I think one yes. thing one thing that was that we didn't mention was Quentin Nelson, I think as he's you know as he progressed throughout the year, I mean he started with what Geno Atkins week one, um, so it was a tall yeah. task, and he only allowed I think he had two sacks the entire year. Um, but one thing that I noticed is Quentin Nelson, I think, really grew into a into a very elite guard as he continued to grow throughout the year. I think he just got better and better as the year went on, mm-hmm. Derek. And so Quentin Nelson's my number three simply because I think he changed that entire culture of that offensive line. Yeah, and and it's funny what he's been saying too is that uh, towards the end of the I don't know if he said it was at the end of the year or not, but he said there was a lot of uh, technique issues that he had that he said he wants to work on this off season because he said there was times he just let his uh, he let his attitude uh, work over his technique. So that's the amazing part too, along with Darius Leonard, to be able to hear your other All Pro guy on your offensive line say. I just had one of the greatest rookie seasons of all time on the offensive line, but I still had a, a lot of things to fix, which is great for us. Definitely. I, I would definitely agree with that, man. All right, so number two. All right, well, this one might surprise a bunch of Colts fans, but I'm going to put it at this one. Number two is Andrew Luck. Uh, we obviously know that Andrew, obviously, the season that he had, had his most efficient, pain-free year of his entire career. Uh, the numbers that he put up, some of the numbers weren't as high as some of the other numbers he's had in recent years. But like I said, it was efficient. He got he was up off his feet most. He was on his feet most of the time, not getting touched very much, and he was just efficient. His completion percentage was amazing. He had highs in yards, completion percentage, and this was his second highest in touchdowns and his touchdown to reception percentage. He improved his game so much by one by help by the help of Frank Reich being able to get rid of the ball faster, spreading the ball around a lot more. Just the offense that he had uh, going for him, it was able to help keep him on the uh, on his feet a lot more. And obviously, he was a Pro Bowl quarterback. He obviously was third in MVP voting, which I had him at number one at one point before. Obviously, Mahomes went on his 50 touchdown tirade but for the for the season that Andrew Luck had you can't deny that he's he was easily top 2 when it comes to the Colts seasons of last year coming back from that gruesome injury yeah uh, i would agree with that 100% and so i realized Derek that I forgot one player in my list, and so I'm just going to uh, put two players in my number 2, okay? Let's just let's just do that. So my number 2s are TY Hilton and Darius Leonard. And I think T.Y. Hilton, and going back to what you talked about with T.Y. Hilton, is, man, like, this guy, I mean, for a while there, he was the only only Colts receiver catching the football. I mean, let's be real. And, you know, teams were able to tee up on him and stuff and, you know, double-team him, and he was still putting up really good numbers. And so um, then you look at him getting injured. I think he injured, I think he had two injuries on the same leg, wasn't practicing for most of the year near the end, and he was still torching those defenses like you mentioned. And so I think T.Y. Hilton had a heck of a year. I think that was probably his best year. Just I say that because playing through injury, I mean, that's that's no easy thing. And he was still putting up great numbers 
with that. And so I think, you know, coming back now fully healthy, you know, getting more receivers to help take the pressure off now. And I think T.Y. Hilton's prime for another big season, Derek. And then, and then for Darius Leonard, man, what can you say? I love Darius Leonard. I mean, he's just, you know, we talked about it at the top of the podcast. Like, he's a guy that's never going to be satisfied, and he's never satisfied. He's always had a chip on his shoulder, and he always wants to get better, and he's never going to be satisfied until the Colts win the Super Bowl, until he's the defensive MVP and the MVP of the league even. I mean, he's never going to be satisfied, and so – that is that is great to hear from from Darius Leonard and heck he had a pretty good rookie year. I mean defensive rookie of the year, but he was oh, like, yeah. I'm not an MVP, so I, I have a lot of things to improve on. And so Darius Leonard is a guy, man, that I I just am really excited for to see how he develop continues to develop because he's a guy that that will never like I said he'll never be satisfied and he he's a guy that will always want to improve. And until he's the best player that he can be. And so th- that's always great to have. All right, and finally, we're going to reveal our number ones. And Derek, we probably know uh, both of our number ones. And so first off, we'll let you go with yours, but I'm pretty sure I know who it is. Yep, and uh, I obviously probably know who yours is at this point, but obviously the number one for me is the maniac himself, Darius Leonard, just because of what he was able to do this season as a rookie. And I've already mentioned it at the beginning of the podcast, just where he's had to come from, the amount of scrutiny put on this kid for no reason at all, uh, to end up having to lead the league in tackles to get the recognition that he wants. You know, how many rookies can say they could ever have a season like what Darius Leonard has, even on the offensive side? I don't know if many could have the season that he had. Uh, You mentioned it several times that, He prides himself on being a great linebacker. He always has the chip on his shoulder, and he's never really satisfied until he actually meets the goals that he sets for himself, which at times might seem high, but uh, never uh, never is a strong word for Darius Leonard. Uh, Obviously, an all-pro as a rookie uh, was obviously snubbed as a pro bowler from last season. Uh, obviously us as Colts fans, we have uh, mentioned that several times that that was absolutely ridiculous. And just the maniac attitude that was set on uh, the whole defense, including what he was able to say about Anthony Walker, how Anthony Walker uh, playing alongside him, he gave such high praise to Anthony Walker, who normally doesn't get a lot of praise from anyone, including our own fan base. Uh, He was able to say how Anthony Walker helped enable him to do some of the things he did because he's such a great player. You know, that's great leadership. Uh, So that is mainly the reasons why I gave Darius Leonard the number one from last season. Yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong with Darius Leonard. I mean, he's one of my favorite players as well. And, you know, I always go back to uh, Derek when when Darius Leonard got snubbed from the Pro Bowl and the Colts were interviewing him, some Colts reporters were interviewing him, and Mike Chappell asked him, he said, Ebron said you're going for 40 tackles against the Giants. And Darius Leonard's like, yeah, that's the goal. Uh, And Chappell's like, that's probably impossible. You know that's probably impossible, right? And Darius Leonard just looks at him like, impossible? Like, and, and I think that that speaks to Darius Leonard. Like, if there was one player that I could pick that I think would probably could achieve that goal, it would be Darius Leonard, simply because he's a guy that never stops working, like we've mentioned, and he's a guy that constantly wants to get better. And so I definitely agree that's not a bad pick for number one at all. But 
You know, for me, I'm a big Andrew Luck guy, so I got to go with him for my number one. And, you know, Derek, I always just go back to, you know, when Andrew Luck was drafted and what he was drafted into and how he was able to lead basically terrible rosters for a couple years there to the playoffs, you know, deeper and deeper into the playoffs each year. And, you know, and basically getting abused by the Colts um, with not protecting Andrew Luck at all, not really giving him, you know, a hundred yard rusher for heck, probably a couple years there. Um, but what he was able to do with basically nothing, with basically T.Y. Hilton and Reggie Wayne for a little bit, and that was about it. Um, I mean, it, it's truly incredible what Andrew Luck was able to do. And, and then, you know, with him going down and suffering that injury and, and all that stuff that, that went with that, you know, him not ever knowing if he's going to be able to play again. And then, you know, cut, you know, at the beginning of the year, you know, just you know, still shaking off some of the rust. Um, you know, not really throwing the deep ball that much. Um, and then, you know, you have some of the, unfortunately, some of the media saying saying some ridiculous statements such as he's checked down Charlie. You know, he's got a noodle arm. He'll never be the same again. All of this, all of this stuff. Um, and just to see Andrew Luck coming back. And, you know, if it wasn't for Patrick Mahomes throwing 50 touchdowns, I truly believe this guy would have been probably your MVP or, or one of, the really, really front runners for MVP. And it's really cool to see how Andrew Luck progressed throughout the year and came back. And it's awesome also to see, you know, we've talked about some of the offensive linemen. It's awesome to see Andrew Luck have time um, in the pocket and also being able, you know, to actually be able to look for guys open and not have to run for his life every play. Um, Yep. And one thing that I noticed, Derek, for for Andrew Luck is when he had his best, probably his best statistical season of his career, um, he was in Pep Hamilton's system. Uh, I believe that was 2013, 2014. He threw, I think, over 40 touchdowns in 2014. And mm-hmm. uh, and that was the second year in Pep Hamilton's system. And so now with him, you know, fully recovered from that surgery that he had and you know now being in the second year of Frank Reich's system, which I think mm-hmm. is definitely a better system. He's got better players around him. Um, got an yeah. overall uh, better and more, more well-rounded team around him. I, I think Andrew Luck's prime for a, the best season of his career, bar none. Oh, I totally agree. And so, yeah, man, that, I think that kind of concludes our list for this week. And Derek, I don't know if there, what you, if you want to say much to the Colts fans. I know that this is their first time hearing your voice, you know, regular listeners to the show. Uh, do you have anything you want to say to these people? Oh uh, yeah, I just wanted to say uh, thanks again to you, Cody, for allowing me to have this opportunity. And uh, yeah, Colts fans, I'm excited uh, for this season and for seasons to come. I'm trying to actually step on the brakes to keep myself from being too hyped for this upcoming season because I want to see it in full swing first before we uh, start making any big assumptions. But uh, continue to just keep uh, representing Colts Nation, and I'm sure that Andrew Luck, Frank Reich, and Chris Ballard are going to have something big in store for us this 2019 season. Absolutely. And I'm sure we'll see some of you down there at training camp. I'm hoping to get down this year. Wasn't able to go uh, the last couple years. And so I've never been to the new facility. I think the last time I went was when they're still in Anderson. And so uh, I've heard a lot of great things about Westfield. It looks like a beautiful facility. And I've driven by it a couple times when I've been down in, in that area. And so I'd love to meet some of you there at training camp. And Derek, I don't know if you're going this year. 
Um, but it's always a, lot, a ton of fun. Um, you know, it's free to the fans, yep. and it, it's a great opportunity to just be down there and be with fellow Colts fans and, you know, meet players and get autographs. It's such a fun time. And so I, I would hope to yeah, see some yeah. of you down there in late July, early August. And so, well, I think that kind of wraps up where we're going today. I think this was a good first podcast for us, Derek. I, I think this yeah. was a, a good start. Um, we covered a wide variety yep. of topics. We talked about a lot of things, Colts-related. And so um, I think we'll continue to do that. We'll probably be, da- be back sometime next week. Um, we'll kind of let you know when we're thinking. Um, we might do another top five list, so uh, be on the lookout for that. And uh yeah, man. Well, thanks, Derek, for coming on, man. It's always fun.